0: Happy Friday, everybody. Welcome to everyone's favorite show about plastic surgery, health, and beauty. This is Nip Talk. On today's episode, first off, the risk of having very large breast implants. Do you know what they are? We're going to tell you. Next, hospital-acquired wounds, what you need to know to help a family member maybe avoid them. And then finally, Sarah's going to tell us all about high-protein diets. I can't wait to hear it because I want to do that, and it's coming up right now.
1: Live from Lincoln Center in the heart of the Dallas Metroplex, this is Nip Talk, an honest and uncensored show about plastic surgery, health, beauty, and lifestyle, with your host, Plastic Surgeon Dr. Bruce Herman, and your co-host, entrepreneur and social media influencer Sarah Bennett. Now it's time to discuss the good, the bad, and the ugly of the topics everyone is talking about. It's time for Nip Talk.
0: Welcome back, everybody. Thank you guys so much for joining us. We really do appreciate it. Please hit that like and subscribe button. It helps us so much. Also, leave us a comment. We want to hear from you. I'm your host, plastic surgeon Dr. Bruce Herman. With me is the amazing Sarah. Howdy. Hi, Amazing Sarah. How are Hi. <laughs> you? Hi. In the box is the awesome Travis. Hi, awesome Travis. Hello. How are y'all? Doing good. Yeah. It's Friday, man. I love Fridays. I, I'm here doing a show. It's the end of the week. Love it. Love it. Love it. You nice guys same. have a good weeks. Anything exciting happen? Same old stuff? Mm.
1: Same old. I went to the fair and wrote the Ferris wheel.
0: You did? I did. Oh, you know what? I didn't tell you guys, or did I? Did I mention in the last show that I went to the Texas OU game?
1: Oh, yeah. Yeah, you did. You said you had a want. ticket.
0: So, oh my God, it was crazy. Oklahoma <laughs> Oklahoma ended okay. up winning. I don't want to relive it. I know, I was they, crushed. But the game. They
2: had a better football team for a while
0: than you Yeah, two? but Texas was really, really good this Close. year. But, um, Texas
1: won last year, I think, too, right? Yes. I think they won, I think <laughs> they won last year, if I'm not mistaken. I'm not
0: sure. But uh, speaking of the fair, I love the fair. Uh, we're actually uh, going to go pretty soon. Um, yeah,
2: I need nice. to take Avery. But she doesn't like the ferris wheel i took her on the ferris wheel like at a regular fair and it scared the crap out of her oh she Honestly, would hate the texas
0: star it's like so high i know i've
2: been on that one but it's more safe like it's more like yeah it's, it's like seems, legit it seems like less like it's not gonna know. like
0: roll down the road
2: well the one i was <laughs> took her on it was like my sister said when she was watching us from below it was like going like this
0: so do you guys like okay this is random no, no, do you guys no. like those crazy adrenaline rides or
2: no, I'll go on the like roller coasters at Six Flags okay. or something, but okay. I will not ride a ride that like one of those weird rides at a fair.
0: What about the Texas Fair? I mean, it's a little different. That's like a little bit more legit.
2: No, I won't ride this. Really, I don't like rides. Okay. I like like a, a roller coaster. I like, like a good roller that coaster has, like, too.
1: Tracks. Yeah. I mean i i'll I get on something that's tame like like the ship that goes like back oh and forth. yeah we always do that one yeah i get on that and then like the uh the, the thing that spins you around like really I, fast.
0: I know that one too i can't remember the name of it but i know exactly yeah. the one yeah yes, those yes, are yes. fun the
2: one at six flags
1: uh the one at the, at the oh. fair yeah the, they're right on
0: next to each other. other they're right the ship and the other one are right there mm-hmm. yeah yeah we hit that like my kids love those things and my kids always drag me on like the crazy ones like we'll do the, like the slingshot one where you oh. get in that Ball and it launches you up into the air, and or the one like we did the one one time where it it, you're on a wire and it pulls you up and then it drops you.
1: Mm, mm -mm.
0: They're kind of like you know (laughs) uh, they are a little
1: they're exciting. Absolutely, those are like really high adrenaline. Yeah,
0: Yeah. my kids like they just they just love them. My dad
2: liked roller coasters, mm -hmm. but none of us really did. Really,
0: I love roller coasters so much fun. I used to go Six Flags when I was a kid. You would save up and you get like your season pass, and then. Mm Get someone to take you like in the summer yeah absolutely so much fun all right all right well let's move on to some topics today so yeah. i don't know if we've ever talked about like really really large breast implants and i remember
2: down- we've seen like you've shown us examples of chicks that had gotten like, had problems extremely yeah. big ones
0: okay well i like, want to do a segment on the risks associated with, you like that? The risks associated with large breast implants. Um, and the reason I'm bringing this up is, uh, it was a couple weeks ago now, there was some news articles about a former Miss USA contestant, her name is Rachel Slauson. Uh She was Miss Utah 2020. I think I got a picture of her, a beautiful young woman here. And so she was in the news talking about her, the, the title was Miss USA contestant regrets having plastic surgery. And I'm like, oh, that, that's interesting, why? You know because yeah, you shouldn't yeah. yeah you shouldn't i mean if done properly you shouldn't really regret having plastic surgery most people get it and are very pleased mm-hmm. so like what happened to her that she had this bad experience and so i read the article and it and she was she was talking about how she decided she wanted to have a breast augmentation okay. Okay. okay okay that's normal a lot of people do that and she went in and she asked to be uh 32d and so you don't really ask to get like the band size you really ask to get the cup size because if you're 32 you're 32 you don't really change that um, but she's, uh, she wanted to be a D and when she came out, they made her a triple D. Oof! I know, right? I was like, Oh my God, no wonder she had a bad experience. And, and honestly, that is a huge, huge pet peeve of mine. When, when people go to a plastic surgeon and a plastic surgeon doesn't take the time to figure out what they want and they come out with something that they don't want. And generally it's something way bigger than they wanted. Mm-hmm. That happens so many times and I just don't get it. I, I mean, I do get it because I, seen plastic surgeons when I was, you know, in training or whatever that just didn't take time to talk to people. And I, I feel like the reason that it happens is because well, two reasons. One, one of the most common things people will say after getting augmentation, if they get like a good one, they'll be like, oh I really love it and maybe I wish I'd gone a little bit bigger. And so I think some surgeons will, you know, maybe push people to get larger so that they're not unhappy. But I mean I, I don't have people that are really unhappy. Um, Because, you know, I tell them that there are downsides to going really big. And then the other reason is sometimes whenever people have a little bit of sag of their breast, a larger implant kind of helps that. Mm -hmm. You know, a large implant doesn't do the same thing as a lift, but it can kind of, you know, mask it a little bit. And so I think that's why sometimes these surgeons will put in these giant implants. But the problem is, is that, you know, there's risks associated with that. Like there's problems that can happen. And I see it time and time again in my office where someone will come in, they had a breast augmentation done maybe a few years ago or you know five or 10 years ago, and now they're really unhappy because of either a complication they had from having really large implants mm-hmm. or their body's changed and suddenly their breasts are out of control. Yeah. And so when I have patients come in to my office wanting breast augmentation, which is one of my favorite things to do, it's a very artistic surgery, satisfaction rates through the roof, patients generally do great. I spend a ton of time talking to them and going over exactly what they want. And if they say that they want something really huge, then I have a really honest conversation with them about, okay, you know, if you decide to go this route, these are the potential downsides. Mm-hmm. And, and, so, and a lot of people will, if they want something maybe a little bit too large, will take my advice and say, okay, that makes sense. Maybe I want to reconsider what I want. Um, and some people say, look, I, I understand what you're telling me. I'm willing to accept the risks and go ahead with this. And if I feel like it's, you know, not insane, I'll do things, you know, bigger than maybe I would recommend, Yeah. but I have to make sure that patients understand, you know, and that's where I think a lot of people don't get that experience when they go to doctor's offices yeah. and it's more rushed or maybe they're talking to a nurse or something. In my
2: experience, whenever I had mine done, like I remember whenever I was like, it's like maybe a day or two and i was like gosh i hope they hope the swelling goes down these are
0: (laughs) right and that's super common i mean that's a totally separate issue because when you have surgery yeah and i tell all my patients this too i tell them you know i did four implants this this week it was really busy you know every patient i'm telling like okay when you wake up you're going to be swollen up top and you're going to look bigger than you're going to be
2: yeah i felt like they were like in my face yeah I was like
0: oh, You're like please tell me this, this they're like
2: invading implant.
0: my life uh, <laughs> they're invading yeah. my perimeter so uh, risk of large implants so this is important because you know there's plenty of people out there that you know might be considering implants themselves or they have friends that are considering having them there are definitely risks of getting really big implants so one really big implants are much more prone to get out of position and what that yeah. means is you want the breast implant to be right behind the breast and you definitely don't want it to fall down or to the side. And the larger implants, because they're big, because they're heavy, they are more prone to get out of position in the first few months before the layer forms around the implant and locks it in place. Right. And so that's one of, the, one of the, the risks of getting bigger. And when I say large implants, I'm talking, you know, I use on average 250 to 400. I commonly will use maybe 425, 450. I'm talking more like 500 cc and, and larger. Um, and yes, some of that is depending on the patient because, you know, there are patients that maybe have really, really small breasts and they can take a 450 and it's not yeah. that big for them. Like
2: I want to know like the maintenance of Dolly Parton's boobs.
0: Yeah. I want to know how big her implants are. Yeah. They have to be huge.
2: Because she has had to have them done again yeah. multiple times.
0: Is she still alive? Yeah. She yes. Is. Yeah, I haven't seen her in forever. She's. Banging around. Yeah. Yeah. I haven't seen her. Um, other risk of large implants they do actually if you get a really large implant and especially if your skin's tight it will actually wear down your breast tissue you see that commonly when people get big implants and then 10 years down the road and they're literally just skin and implant because the weight of that implant actually starts to wither the tissue from the pressure yeah. that does happen along those same lines incision breakdown is more common when you get a really big implant just because of the pressure You know, When I do larger implants, and I do this for every patient, so it's not just these, but you definitely want to make sure that your closures are really good and you're getting a lot of good tissue closed underneath the incision so Mm -hmm. that there's cushion so that implant isn't pressing on the underside of the skin because I have seen people come from other offices. They get these giant implants, and the incision breaks down, and then it becomes like a real problem. Um, Another risk, and this kind of goes along with the malposition, but remember when we talked about the uniboob queen? Yeah. Yeah.
2: I think that was the one that I remember.
0: Yeah, the uniboob I, I forgot her name, but she's called she's on social media She's called the Uniboob Queen. And so uniboob is also a risk of having really large implants because it starts to invade the perimeter towards the center and suddenly you go from two separate breasts to like one big uniboob. <laughs> um so yeah, it's not that I've I've had to fix I've never had that happen to my patients, thankfully. Um, But I fixed a couple of those um, because I do do a lot of revision work. And you can fix it, but it just kind of sucks to do it. Um, And the other thing as far as the – well, two more things. One, when you get these giant implants, they tend to look super fake. Mm. Now, some people want that. I literally have people come in my office and they say, I want the porn star boobs, which is just code for, like, you know, this big, round, fake-looking breast. Mm -hmm. And some people like that. But, I mean, a lot of people may not want that they like they want to be large but they don't want to have that look and sometimes they'll get it yeah because, they
2: want it to be like proportional with their body
0: right and so you, you know sometimes people get a look that they don't want. but the other thing too when you go really big with implants is you can start to have some of the same symptoms that people have when they have large natural breasts i mean i too still do a lot of breast reduction surgery it's mm-hmm. still pretty popular In fact. I would say breast reduction patients are some of the happiest patients, but you can have symptoms of what we call macromastia or, or very large breasts. And that would be things like neck pain, shoulder pain, back pain, mm-hmm. uh, grooving in the bra steps, um, the breast starting to interfere with like working out yeah. or exercising or even your daily activities, depending yeah. on how large they go. Um, and you know, the other reason too, like you should consider not getting super large implants and we've talked about this just even in the past few weeks. I know is as we get older, we tend to gain fat. Mm-hmm. And where do women gain fat? Yep. They gain it in their breasts. Mm-hmm. And so you commonly will see, and I get this consult every month for sure, maybe even a couple patients, that had implants put in when they were you know, 20, 30, maybe early 40s, and then 20 years go by, and they gain some weight, and suddenly their double D breasts are now like Fs. Yikes. And they're super unhappy, and they want their implants out. And you can do that, and that's fine. But it does mean that you have to have another surgery. Versus if you go a little bit more conservative at first, you gain a little bit of weight, and, and maybe you might be slightly large, but you're not to the point where you're you're unhappy. So, yeah. but yeah, I'm i I'm against like doing you know really really large breast implants. I, I think a lot of times patients that get them are not getting a great experience with the doctor patient relationship. Yeah. You know, I don't think that maybe they're being Uh, informed about the potential downsides and so you know that all goes back to if you're going to have plastic surgery one find a board certified surgeon that's so important but find a doctor that's going to take the time to talk to you and like go over all the details and Mm -hmm. tell you all the ins and outs Um, because if you don't you can end up being unhappy like miss miss like when
2: doctors tell you like no we you don't need to do that right you should listen like yeah
0: (laughs) yeah you should listen to that
2: yeah I'm like
0: yeah um i mean i'll tell people no um but i think
2: that's a good thing no i don't totally think like, a, good thing. like i want to have yeah. you know double f's or whatever yeah. You're and, like and the no. doctor's like yes let's do that like that right. should be red
0: flag uh, wor- that should be a test like go yeah. in and say something dumb to the doctor and make sure that they correct you yeah, and if I they should, correct you, you should, be like,
2: that should be our undercover show just i'll oh go God. to plastic surgeons <laughs> do <Dude>, plastic <office laughs> surgeons and i'll lose go their in there and i'll be like can i have a double f and if they say yes i'm gonna be like cancel
0: that sounds super cool, <laughs> but like we would have people like with pitchforks outside the studio <laughs> if we started doing that. And as entertaining as that might be, even more
1: reason to do it now. <laughs> I, I maybe we'll. we'll It'll we'll be put, like
2: punked. We'll, we'll put just a, get somebody that looks like Ashton. you could dress up like Ashton Kutcher.
1: Oh my god,
0: <laughs> the show is spiraling out of control. I like it. I'm not saying no. I'm not saying no, Sarah. But let's let's put a pin in that one and we'll we'll okay. circle back.
2: Circle back. Yeah, like circle back. I like it. I like it.
0: All right, so yeah, large <laughs> breast implants. Uh, not a great idea. Uh, once again, make sure you find a doctor who's going to talk to you and give you all the ins and outs. So. Okay, moving on. So this is actually something I know a lot about. Um, I know I've mentioned this a few times. Uh, one, plastic surgeons are kind of the end-all, be-all of wound care. Uh, also, I've been director of huge wound care programs for uh, I think going on 12 years now, mm-hmm. um, the last six or seven years I've been at horizon medical center, which, um, I'm very, very proud of. It's I arguably the best wound care center in the entire Metroplex. Uh, I, and I honestly believe that, uh, we just have like such a great wound care program. Um, so I see lots of wounds and every once in a while we'll remember we'll do a case, you know, show, I think last week we did, or two weeks ago, we did the sternal wound and mm-hmm. we did a dog bite. Um, so I want to talk about hospital acquired. Wounds. That's actually my center. That's Horizon Medical Center up in uh, the North Metroplex. Uh, great little facility. LTAC, inpatient, outpatient. Great place. That's nice. Yep, yep. Um, so I want to talk about hospital-acquired wounds, and and this is not just me yammering about wounds to hear myself talk. Like there is like a, a per- <laughs> there is per- my daughter uses that yammering. She loves that word. Um, it's uh, there is a purpose for this because I feel like if patients are educated about what kind of wounds they that they, or more likely their family member, like an older family Mm -hmm. member could get. And they know the risk factors that they could potentially prevent a wound from happening. And there are definitely downsides to people getting these wounds. So this is gonna blow your mind. The estimated cost to healthcare. Okay, I'm gonna ask you guys, I never quiz you guys anymore. I don't wanna put you on the spot. No one's gonna know this, but I'm just gonna have you guys throw out a number for how much money does it cost the United States healthcare systems for wounds acquired in a facility, whether it be a hospital, LTAC, nursing home, in dollars every year. Who wants to go first?
1: Uh, I'll go. Travis. Okay, Travis.
0: Yeah. yeah, throw me a number out there.
1: Um, so, like a yearly number? A
0: yearly number. This is, so, like, this is the extra cost that's added to our healthcare system every year because of the wounds that we're going to talk about. I'll say 10 million. 10 million. Mm-hmm.
2: That's a big number. It is a big number. I don't even know. Like
1: <laughs> shooting in the dark. <laughs>
2: 10 10.1 million.
0: Come Try on. 30 billion with a B. Gross. 30 billion dollars. Okay, to put that number in perspective, Ugh. the ab- the healthcare expenditure in the United States every year is around 4 trillion dollars. Mm. That means that these wounds equate to between 0.5 and 1% of the total the total expenditure of healthcare in the United States. Now, I know 1% is not a big number, but think about how much goes into healthcare. Doctor's salaries, nurses' salaries, Mm -hmm. hospitals, drugs, surgeries, clinics, nursing homes. I mean, everything, all of that. And this is like about a little less than 1% of it that that these wounds. So it is a big problem. I mean, this is not a joke.
2: Yeah, Um, I wanna know which ones they are so I can- Cool, I'm glad you're
0: excited. So, Make sure we
2: don't get none of that. Yeah, you don't
0: wanna get these. So, as I said, the reason I'm doing this is because I want to educate people what they are to potentially prevent them. And I say this because these wounds can develop very quickly in the hospital. And once they develop, they can be extremely hard to get rid of. I have patients in my clinic. I have a huge wound clinic. I mean, I see, on average, I have, I don't know, I have 30 to 50 patients with wounds that I'm seeing. And I don't see each one every week. But... I see tons of patients with wounds. And some of them, the more difficult ones, I've had patients that have had wounds for a year that they didn't want to have surgery because I can always relate, I can always go fall back on surgery. But for some patients, either surgery is not an option, maybe they're too sick or they just don't want to have it. Some of these wounds can take a year to heal. Ah. So um, so I want to go through what they are. And, and have you ever heard that the, the saying, an ounce of prevention were the pound to cure? Yeah that goes triple for for these hospital wounds triple okay so i want to go through the different types first i'm going to list them out and then uh then i'm going to go through each one in detail all right i'm gonna i'm putting you guys on the spot can you guys name there's a list here one type of wound someone might get in the hospital
2: those like bed sores
0: bam sarah nailed it (laughs) sorry trevo she took the easy answer it's okay
1: it's all right she knocked it out of the park i'm proud of you
0: she knocked it out of the park what do you think can you name one
1: Oh, um, did you get in the hospital anything
0: oh um, I-, I have no clue oh that's cool it doesn't matter <laughs> <laughs> i just wondered if you guys you know does the average oh, person what about, like
1: bruises like bruises
0: yes. from? yes trauma right Yeah, right all
1: right bruises.
0: there you go trauma that's another one okay excellent so you guys are all on top of this okay so the different types of wounds uh decubitus or pressure ulcers so that's a bed sore so decubitus okay. ulcers pressure ulcers and bed sores are all the same thing okay the doctor words decubitus. Pressure sore is kind of the, is the description, bed sore is like the, the generic term. Okay. Uh, surgical site infections, so someone has surgery right. and they get an infection and that makes a wound. Uh, edema wounds, so I'm going to break down what that means, but these are wounds related to having a lot of swelling. IV infiltration wounds, so when people have an IV that goes bad. Non-surgical infections, okay, so when you have an infection that gets so bad that creates a wound. Remember we talked about necrotizing fasciitis? Yes. So that'd be a non-surgical infection wound. That's actually some of the worst wounds you can see. Trelvis hit it, trauma, that's another one. Okay. And then lastly would be wounds from medical devices. All right. Let's talk about the risk factors, okay? So, I'm, I'm, I know I hate, you guys probably hate me. Can you guys name one risk factor for why you might get a wound in the hospital? I know you're not medical. I'm just... <laughs> a risk factor? Yeah, uh, like...
2: Procedure issues?
0: Bam! you had a procedure. There you go. That's a good one. You had a procedure, right? If you have surgery, you have an incision, then... You can get a wound. Yeah. Oh, that's good. Travis, you want to stab in the dark? Oh, um, I have no clue. Okay. All right. Very good. I'm gonna bow out. It's okay, man. I know I'm asking you guys medical topic. It's just always fun to see, you know, I mean, you guys are smart. I feel like you guys know more about medicine than the average cat on the street. Like Absolutely. you guys are like, you guys are Sarah good. Sarah
1: knocks like a lot of the questions out of the park.
0: Dude, yeah, I'll be sitting here and I'll be like, she'll just say something like, "Damn, Sarah, good job. <laughs> I have no. I feel clue. like she's absorbing all this information. It's Absolutely. like, it's osmosis. <laughs> okay. So risk factors Um, immobility. right? So, say you're uh, in bed a bed source. Right, bed yeah. source, right. So, you're in a, a trauma, or maybe you've had a heart attack and you're in the ICU, and maybe you're on a breathing machine and they're giving you medications, you're not moving, immobility. Uh, next, chronic medical conditions. We always talk about diabetes when we talk about risks. Diabetics are much more prone to get wounds, as are people that have things like you know blood vessel issues where their blood flow is not as good. Right. Older patients, mm-hmm. as you get older, your skin gets more fragile, your tissues get more fragile, it's much it's much easier for you to develop wounds. Malnutrition, right? People who are malnourished, much more prone to wounds. Smoking. You know, smokers, smoking's not good for you. <laughs> just by the way. That's
2: why they can't advertise. That's
0: why they can't advertise. Obesity, people that are heavier, more prone to wounds. Immunosuppression, so that's somebody that might be on certain drugs that are suppressing their immune system. Certain medications, things like steroids, which, I mean, that falls into immunosuppression. Surgical procedures, like you said, Um, incontinence is huge. If people are incontinent, much, much more prone to wounds. I'm going to talk about that in a minute. Um, and, And the reason that, you know, it's so important, number one, these wounds are hard to get rid of. But two, it's been shown clearly that when patients get wounds in hospitals, it increases morbidity. So morbidity is just a word that doctors throw around, which means bad things like, okay. you know, getting back to normal life or pain or whatever, and then mortality, meaning death. So these are reasons why you would definitely want to prevent a loved one from, from having one of these. Okay, so I'm gonna talk most about two things um, because they're the big ones. So you, you said it, Sarah, bed sores, also called decubitus wounds. So we said that wounds, all wounds in the United States cost us 30 billion, billion with a B. Decubitus wounds accounts for 25 billion of that. So it is far and away the biggest type of yeah. wound that people get in the hospital, in the hospital. Um, there are four really common areas that people get these wounds. Sacrum, which is the area kind of in between your, your, your buttocks muscles, Yeah. all right? Um, ischium, which is what we sit on. It's called, the, the, the ischial bone is the bone that we sit on. Of course, there's, there's fat tissue and muscle underneath it. The hips okay. is the other one, and the heels and and also and this is kind of getting kind of a deeper dive into the the pathophysiology about this those pressure points do come along with certain positions so for example if i was to sit in this chair for a year which i wouldn't do um i would get wounds on my ischiums because that's where the pressure is but i wouldn't get it on my sacrum because there's no pressure on my sacrum when the sacrum gets pressure is when you're lying flat in bed on your back yeah then you get pressure on your heels and you get pressure on your sacrum When you're lying on your side, you get pressure on your hips. Why am I telling you this? Well, if you have a patient or a family member in the hospital and they're staying in one position, then they're gonna be at risk for getting wounds in those locations. And it's common sense, right? When you're laying flat on your back, like you're on your buttocks, you know, which is your sacrum and you're on your heels. The back of your head's kind of an honorable mention. Sometimes people will will get wounds on the back there. So what are the risks of decubitus wounds specifically? Um, Pressure's number one. You know what we do for our patients, especially when they're immobile, is we um are we good? Are we good, Travis? We are. Okay, it's a check in the the monitor went dead. Um uh we make sure that we rotate patients because we don't want them to have pressure in the same location for long periods of time because that's what causes these wounds to develop. And so you might say, okay, what is, what is about the pressure? Well, when you have pressure in one location for long periods of time, it actually inhibits the blood flow. And so what it does, it basically strangulates the life out of those tissues and the tissues die. And then the wounds develop. Um, immobility is the big one too, pressure immobility. Incontinence, man, this is such a huge one. When patients are in the ICU, oftentimes, you know they'll have a catheter in, but the stool, poop. They poop on themselves. And if, if, if it's not caught quickly, that stool sitting on the skin can cause a wound so fast. And this is one where patients' families can really be helpful because if they, they realize that their family member who might be sick has an issue with incontinence, then they need to alert somebody right away because that's one of the things that can cause um, cause these wounds to develop. The extremes in weight's a big one. So when people are, are are really heavy like obese yeah. then they have added pressure but the flip side is is if you're really skinny then your bones are pointier and so you'll see malnourished patients get wounds really quickly because yeah. the they're, they're thin they don't have that cushion and so that pressure point causes a wound advanced age also older patients patients who are ill smokers and then also the surface I use that one like for example if somebody was maybe um, like maybe a patient that's in a nursing home and they're sitting in a chair that's maybe like a rocking chair that's hard wood yeah bad idea right. you know you want to have a nice cushion and especially people who are at risk you want to have specialty cushions for them to sit on because these wounds can develop very quickly as far as treatment you know i'm not going to do a dive into the, the treatment of these that would be a separate talk you know treatment of these is very multifaceted there's wound care surgery all kinds of things you could do so after decubitus wounds, the, big, the biggest next wound that people can develop is surgical infections. Right. So two to five percent of surgeries result in infection. Now, you have to take that number with a grain of salt because it really depends on the type of surgery you're doing. For the surgeries I do, young, healthy people doing elective, superficial surgeries, infection rate should be way less than one yeah. percent. And it is. Like, like, for example, breast augmentation, literally in 14 years of doing these, I've had one infection. I mean, mm-hmm. this is like hundreds of cases. Um, but it's because I'm doing a simpler surgery. I mean, it's artistic, but otherwise rather simple on a healthy patient surgeries that carry more risk are things like intra-abdominal surgery, GYN surgery, where these are considered more contaminated cases, orthopedic surgeries, and then trauma, Right. you know, when you, when you calculate those, those have a higher rate. So the average falls into like, what's that? I've
2: had two of those surgeries.
0: GYN. Or is
2: that, is that, is GYN a, uh, that's just cat, is, what is that? Like
0: like a C-section. Okay, yes. Yeah.
2: I've had a C-section and I broke my arm when I was a kid. Okay,
0: yeah, worth a peek. Had Did you like, heal okay?
2: Yeah, I had like pins in my arms and everything.
0: Yeah, I'll like tell the, you what yeah. really common in intra-hospital wound is C-section infections because yeah. they're considered dirty cases, you know, because of the, you know, opening the uterus and, you know, there might be, um, it's, they call it meconium when the baby, you know, has a bowel movement in the. In the uh, placenta, mm-hmm. uh, and so that gets in the wound. So those are considered dirty cases. So yeah, that's a high one. But uh, the cost of surgical infections three to four billion. So right there, you see where most of the money comes from with with wounds is either decubus wounds or bed sores, and then surgical infections. So for every surgical infection, it increases a hospital stay about ten days. Okay. That's a lot, and it increases the cost of stay by about twenty thousand dollars. Yeah. That's a big number. Um, it does increase.
2: So it's serious. Yeah,
0: it's serious stuff. It increases the morbidity and the mortality. So, what are your risk factors for getting wound infections? Well, we talked about the type of surgery is important. If you have a loved one that's in a trauma surgery, orthopedic surgery, abdominal surgery, GYN, those are ones a little bit more concerning. If your patient has the illnesses like diabetes, if they're obese, that's a big one. You know, the thicker that tissue is that you have to cut through to get into, like, say, the intra abdominal compartment, the more likely they are to get an infection. If they're smokers, uh, the side of the location, so like feet are a place, like or lower extremities don't heal near as well as like yeah. upper body, um, and then compromised patients. And so, you know, as somebody who, you know, maybe has gone through surgery and you have an incision and you want to know if you're at risk for infection, those would be your risk factors. But the other thing to know is timing. Uh, oftentimes when I was doing general surgery, we'd get a call from someone on the floor, like a nurse or a med student, they say, hey, patient's got a fever, they're one day out from surgery, do they have an infection in their wound? And the answer would be no. Because the average time frame for when people get incisions, infections is about four to seven days. So you can kind of time that. Now you can get them later. You want, Every once in a while you'll see somebody get an infection a week, two weeks later, but it's not that common. Symptoms of that, new pain at the incision site, redness around the incision site, and drainage. Okay. Any of those things pop up, you need to let somebody know. And, and the reason I say that is there are a lot of times... The first person to know that they have an infection is either a patient or a family member. Mm -hmm. And if they don't call their doctor, then that can get out of hand and you can get like a a worse problem. It's always good to catch these things early, whether it be the bread sores or the surgical site infections. So I'm just going to kind of gloss over the other ones because this is kind of getting into the weeds of the rare stuff. Um, Anytime people have a lot of edema, so edema is when you're swollen. Okay, edema is doctor word for swelling. So when people get really edematous, like say the lower extremities, because maybe they have issues with their veins or maybe they're more sick and they start to gain fluid that does put them at risk for wounds. The bottom line on those is just being aware of it and getting those extremities elevated to help get the fluid out and getting some compression on it. And believe me, I walk into patients' rooms all the time and they have this edema, and like no one's, no one's doing anything. And I'm not, you know, sliding my medical colleagues, but there's a lot of stuff going on. Not everyone thinks about that thing, but as a patient or a family member, if you know that yeah. a lot of swelling can cause wounds, then you can be proactive in the care. Talk to the physician, talk to the nurse, say, hey, what are we doing about this? Uh, Non-surgical infections, remember we talked about uh, necrotizing fasciitis, which is the the, the one where the tissue dies. Mm -hmm. Now that's an extreme case of a surgical infection causing a wound, but even smaller wounds that are even lesser infections can cause wounds. So once again, if you think you have an infection, which same symptoms are the same from incision versus just a regular infection, go to your doctor, don't let it get out of hand. Uh, Trauma, that's another one. Like elderly patients in hospitals are at risk for falls. Um, I get consults all the time for patient got up to go to the bathroom, fell, hit their head. Now they got a, a wound on their oh head. Gosh. Yeah. It happens pretty commonly. Cause why? Well, people are tethered to all these IVs. They might be tethered to other machines, you know, they're, and then whenever
2: you stand up, like after you've been sitting, laying down for yeah, a while, get lightheaded. You, yeah. Yeah, totally. Kind, and you kind of forget like, like you're, I remember whenever I was had, after I had my C-section, I got up and I was like.
0: Right. Yeah. You're unsteady. Yeah, totally. So falls can definitely happen in that instance. Um, The last one I want to bring up is medical devices. So the classic one that I think about when I hear about this is either a nasal cannula that's giving oxygen that's too tight or a mask that's giving oxygen that's too tight. Pressure on skin over a, even a short amount of time, if it's significant, can cause wounds. And and I'll get consults for tubes that cause wounds, uh, nasal cannulas, Mass, all that. So if you have a family member, it's you know in the hospital and they have something on them and it's really tight, maybe ask, hey, is, is that too tight? Do we need to loosen it? Yeah. So that's about it as far as wounds go. I mean, I, you.
2: It's a lot of information.
0: I know. Is it too much? Did I drown you in information?
2: <laughs> no, I was just like.
0: <laughs> well, I mean, you know, as I said, I always like try to think, okay, why are we talking about this? I mean, it, maybe people just want to know about it. And some people are interested in wounds, but you know, from my standpoint, it's like, okay if I can educate somebody on like what kind of wounds are out there and what the risk factors are maybe when their mom or granddad or someone's in the hospital, they'll have in the back of their mind. Hey, my granddad hasn't, you know, hasn't been moving. Is he at risk for getting a bed sore? Mm-hmm. That'd be a really smart thing to say. Yeah. And maybe you could prevent something like that from happening. Yeah. Yeah. Education. Yeah. That's fakes. facts. Facts. <laughs> facts. Speaking of facts, Sarah, are you going to give us some facts about yeah. this protein diet? Me, I'm super excited about notes. this because I love protein. It's probably my favorite food group.
2: No, you don't.
0: No, I do. I, I, I love cooking steaks. Like steaks, chicken. Okay. Oh, I, that's my favorite thing to cook is protein. Okay. Are you talking about different proteins?
2: I'm just talking about you eating enough protein in general.
0: I don't eat enough. Yeah. I know that. I get crazy <laughs> about my diet. What? So, I get crazy about my diets. Doctor, heal thyself.
2: Okay.
0: All right. Teach me. Educate me. I'm ready.
2: I, okay. I only have one picture.
0: So one Travis. picture yeah do we want wait hold on do we want to show it now or is there like a is there like a moment we should show
2: it no it's I, just like a little title slide there uh, is i thought
1: there were two.
0: Could we wait. Oh wait oh trellis i think i forgot to show one in the yeah. last segment okay. my oh. bad don't show that now this is, we're talking about food don't show it it was a wound so we don't want to show that No bro. we don't want to show that yeah i forgot about that yeah. all right
2: so this is i'm just going to talk to you about like what protein is and how it can help your life and how much you should eat
0: Okay. I'm, and that's pretty. Now, is this it. eat just to stay healthy, or is this eat for like you So muscle? I'm going to tell you what oh,
2: to okay. eat to, like, what FDA is recommending. Okay. And then how to gain muscle.
1: I'm cetera. ready. We are listening and taking notes now. Okay, I'm ready. Okay.
2: So, what is protein?
1: So, I know you know what it is. I do.
2: So, protein, structural amino acid. Everybody yes. has them, um, and our body um, actually needs animal foods and things to make them. So, so, do
0: you think it's risky for like vegans? What, did you see any data on that about? Yes. So there are some risks associated with that.
2: What do you mean, like risks? Well, because of not they're getting, getting no like. Well, it's hard, getting, It's harder for yeah, them. But, no but they definitely can because yeah. of tofu and um, vegetables oh, right. that have high protein. They can protein. get around it. Yeah. Yeah.
0: I could never be vegan. I love. It's hard. Eat too much.
2: It's very. You have to be very dedicated. Yeah. I applaud them, because um, I can.
0: I. I could never do it.
2: I like. I like beef. Okay. I do too, yeah. um, So how does protein affect weight loss? Um, so, Are you asking? or? I mean, you, sh- you could probably answer that if you want. Well,
0: um, you gain calories from protein that's better than certain type of carbohydrates and certainly fats. Yeah. Yeah, right? Yeah. So <laughs> yes.
2: um, it boosts your metabolic rate and causes a spontaneous reduction in calorie intake. So it's just... Okay. Takes longer to digest, really.
0: So it's a better caloric source for yes. maintaining weight. Yeah, I've always heard that. I mean, yes, the Atkins yes. diet's the big one, right?
2: Yeah. yeah. But that one's like very heavy on red meat, which Ooh, nice. Kind of, right up my alley. They've kind of distanced themselves from that because red oh. meat causes heart disease. Yeah. It increases it an in excessive amount. I'm not sure I
0: believe that. <laughs> I'm just kidding.
2: <laughs> okay, so how much protein should you be eating?
0: uh so i actually used to know this from when i used to work out a lot i think you want to have if you're not active isn't it 40 to 60 grams a day
2: yeah so they f like minimum amount fda recommends like so average half a person gram is per like 50 kilo? grams 50 of, is minimum uh, yeah okay but like women of course it says like it says like 35 minimum
0: for do you women. count your protein i know you work out a ton do you count your protein
2: yeah i try to yeah. So, um, most studies suggest 0.7 to 1 gram per pound of lean mass. Isn't that per
0: kilo or is it per pound?
2: Um, it can be 1.6 to 2.0 grams per kilogram.
0: Oh, okay. So, that's higher than I thought. Okay.
2: Yeah.
0: All right. Um, but and yeah. and that's, for, that's, for, that's for maintenance or for muscle growth?
2: That's if you want to gain or maintain oh, your right. muscle yeah
0: gain okay and most
2: people that are want to have yeah. a high protein diet want to lose weight or right. gain
0: muscle gain muscle because yeah. i remember when i used to work out a lot i used to try to do two grams per kilo so i was trying to do like 150 grams per day
2: mm-hmm.
0: which sounds like a lot
2: i my minimum is 100 grams
0: yeah and i'm a little bit lighter than you or no a little bit heavier sorry
2: i was like <laughs> wrong way sorry why? i didn't mean
0: that <laughs> i'm sure i outweigh you by a fair amount
2: I don't know i i weigh 125 most people don't think i do most people think so I'm i than that you know
0: old. i told you i have been losing weight because yeah. i just had been out of shape so i was like around 160 and i lost about yeah. 10. so i'm about 150 but like i'm lean now yeah now i'm about ready to start gaining muscle
2: yeah you need to increase your protein i
0: know i need to put on some muscle okay sorry sir, i didn't mean to derail you <laughs> keep going you're doing so
2: pain. so most adults that have minimal activity physical activity you can get away with 0. 0.8 grams okay uh, per kilo
0: per kilo you yeah. can get away with it yeah okay
2: if you exercise uh with weights and body weights you can eat 1.2 to 1.7 grams per kilo
0: right that's when yeah. i was yeah that's what i would shoot for
2: yeah yeah so yeah i eat between minimum 100 max 100. now does it
0: matter the type of protein or are you going to come to that yes you're going to come to it or does i'm going to talk to you about it yeah. okay okay good
2: um and then and then athletes like extreme like right a professional like triathletes they can do like three point five
0: wow that's grams crazy. per kilogram yeah per I mean that makes sense like those triathlon because they're doing people. like
2: morning yeah. workout afternoon yeah. maybe even midday they're like no. constantly I wish I had
0: time out. to work out that much
2: well so, I mean that's their job though yeah that's true so they awesome. make time um, so who needs to increase their protein you do you need to increase I do need protein? to
0: increase my protein for sure.
2: Okay, so pretty much everyone and anyone can increase their protein in a healthy amount. Um, Obviously, um, it's really good for people that are physically active. Mm -hmm. Of course, pregnant, you should be increasing your protein, breastfeeding as well. So they say the FDA recommends to increase it to about 70 grams.
0: Trying to heal wounds. Yeah. That's a big one. Like if you're in the hospital and you're infirm, you want to increase your protein because it helps you heal.
2: Mm. Yep. Bam. Interesting. Um, older adults need more protein and they say to FDA recommends to increase that by 50% too, but yeah, yes, recovering older. from injuries mm-hmm. and all of that.
0: Yeah. Cause that was really big when I used to do trauma surgery. Like we were really, really big on their nutrition and yeah. like it was kind of a beatdown. but we would, this is what we had to do when we were residents. We had to calculate this huge thing. It was all the stressors they had to get a caloric um, expenditure per day mm-hmm. and then we would try to go above that and it was this big sheet and I had to like do math as like a first and second year general surgery resident for every single patient in the ICU and well, write all this stuff out yeah but
2: it's it like what what's almost everything in our body made out of amino acids yeah you need right amino acids yeah you need especially it. if you're like recovering from oh something. sure yeah you trying know, to, you need heal to rebuild something Definitely. you need it you have to have it um, So what are some negative uh, effects of protein you might ask uh
0: it can be hard on your kidneys and liver
2: i actually so the <laughs> so the article i was reading is from Healthline.com. so uh-huh. it was like read, made by nutritionists and things yeah. like that and they were talking about how there's no real like uh I'm sure there are articles, but no articles that have like dramatic evidence that it can cause heart disease.
0: Oh, so. I mean, not heart
2: disease, kidneys.
0: So I would say that's true, but I know for a fact that certain medical conditions.
2: Yeah, affect you need, your ability
0: yeah. to break it down, yeah. and so then you have to like yeah, do you have a to lower protein, protein your diet, diet.
2: Yeah. your doctor and stuff like yeah. that, for sure. But the
0: average person, that doesn't matter. Yeah. yeah. The average
2: person. So pretty much with anything, like I'm a big fan of everything in moderation and sure. balance. So, again, everybody knows you're not supposed to eat excessive amounts of red meat, right. so or in high fat protein, um, because of your risk for heart disease. Yes. Um, and then um, also when you're like the Atkins diet to which they've kind of ventured away from it is that was
0: the red meat one right yeah
2: so it used to be like all meat like you you don't eat vegetables you don't all eat fruit all meat all the time yeah.
0: triple b- patty burger yeah. come on <laughs> yeah
2: like you you have a steak and then a side of beef jerky it's like that's <laughs> nice. what it was so it's like no that's not the way anymore obviously you're supposed to have protein vegetables fruit
0: right okay. you got to mix it up yeah um but
2: yeah those are some of the the negative effects that can happen but like with everything if you're like doing like a new diet mm-hmm. definitely talk to your doctor about
0: yeah absolutely. That,
2: especially if you have some pre just yeah like, right existing within certain
0: medical conditions, you want to be a little careful about taking huge yeah. amounts of protein
1: yeah. i try to eat protein but i hate steak I
0: you mean, hate steak i know it i know what? it's so
1: weird it's so that's weird. so
0: crazy well,
1: i do not like steak what's your um, what's your
0: protein of choice then chicken uh, yeah it will be chicken i do like chicken yeah Yeah, that's what i was about to say i just can't believe you don't like steak
1: i do i just do not like it man and if i do that's like saying you don't like money i mean it's such
2: a man thing you don't like red red meat boy
1: it's not
0: about that it's just so awesome it's like it's like i just don't like money i just don't just don't like it i
1: don't like money i love money when i love it i like money but uh yeah i don't know steak just don't it don't do it for me really Um, okay yeah it just always tastes kind of strange
0: wow well, I mean okay. it's
2: healthier for you to eat chicken anyways and fish. yeah I mean yeah. I've
0: always heard that yeah it is oh,
1: yeah. chicken I do like pork like white fish breast chicken yeah. yes
2: for sure yeah pork, pork. no
1: steak's my favorite that's though high, I love that's I love high fish. fat protein is, is fish really like good for protein like high in protein oh, yeah. Sure. oh yeah oh yeah okay. for, for really. sure for like for tuna.
0: Sure. tuna I see a lot of when I was like really working out I to eat tons of tuna salmon
2: yeah good.
0: salmon's good okay
2: I love salmon but that's what we're talking about. So how to increase your protein? You might be wondering like in mm-hmm. your daily life.
0: Absolutely. I'm wondering.
2: Um, eating protein for your first like before you start eating any of your like little sides, try to start eating like that piece of chicken first or that okay. steak first before you touch the taters and the <laughs> Is that staff? because of the digestion
0: that's <laughs> Chris. um yeah, you, we know that taters are bad carbs. so i'm gonna about that yeah
2: so um high protein we're
0: getting so smart around here fakes. we're like three geniuses fakes.
2: so eating protein first at meals can help you feel full and keep your oh, blood sugar right. and insulin levels from rising too high okay. so high protein intake decreases levels of ghrelin ghrelin the hormone horp, hor, the hunger hormone
0: oh Is okay that how you spell, say it i'm ghrelin, not familiar with that one
2: ghrelin G H R E. Sounds vaguely familiar. So and so and, and then it increases your metabolic rate uh, after eating and stuff. Okay. So yeah. So um, a second thing is choose better snacks. So instead of eating like a potato chips or whatever.
0: You eat beef those jerky. Things,
2: you can yeah you can totally eat beef jerky for sure. I, I um, a turkey
0: jerky. Yeah. I, I need to <laughs> Tur- dude, if you don't like beef jerky, Charles, try try the turkey you. jerky. Please. Um,
2: so, so choose stuff. cheese turkey, yeah, yeah. for oh, a filling I, snack. I love cheese. Yeah have it with some cheese. I mean, just have it with some more cheese. Have it with like fruit and some whole grain crackers. Dude, I love- That's like a little, that's like your own personal little charcuterie. Dude, can I
0: derail this for one second to tell you a story? My wife got me the best gift ever. She got me a membership to the, it's the cheese cheese and fruit of the month club. So once a month we get this thing and it's like, uh, it's from Harry and David and it's like, some type of fruit, and then a cheese that goes with it. That's nice. And so she told her friends at work that she got that for me, and they're like, why would you get that for him? And like, she's like, no, no, he's going to love this. I love and he's cheese. He's so right, man. I love cheese and fruit. Me too. Sorry. Let me a you story. I love it's it.
2: so good. Okay, and then replacing cereal with eggs. Yes. So that's Breakfast, like tacos, a simple right? one. Breakfast tacos, right? Yeah. So, like, if you're a busy person, um, I like to cook pre-cooked um, uh, hard-boiled eggs
0: oh i can't do hard-boiled yeah.
2: but those are easy that's an easy way it to add protein snack, in the morning yeah. if you're not the type of person that wants to like cook in the morning yeah. and then also if you have the if you have some whole grain oats in the morning as well oh, it's are good
0: that's a good yeah. carbohydrate we know that from and it's good, a couple it's, yeah episodes it's ago. a complex right
2: carb it's good for you and yes. it also has some protein in it um and then nuts so almonds are the are the best ones for you to eat they're the highest in Mm. protein about six grams of protein an ounce so if you can sprinkle almonds like on cottage cheese yogurt salads all of that kind of stuff that increases your protein a good amount and then speaking of yogurt greek yogurt contains twice as much protein as regular yogurt so i eat Greek yogurt all the time it has like 15 grams that's pretty
1: good. Wow. Yeah. I do like how they substitute Greek yogurt. A lot of people substitute Greek yogurt with, uh, for, um, what is it? Um, like miracle, not miracle. Whip, like May- mayonnaise. Yeah, like- mayonnaise. Nah, it's the oh. other stuff you put on Ridge. like nachos, sour cream. Oh, sour cream. oh yeah. sour cream. yeah. Yeah. You was close though. I was yeah. trying hard, man. It was. The <laughs> was regular, trying it. I got you, Travis. The
2: shoulders. regular Greek yogurt. i give you a bunch of wrong
1: answers. <laughs> <laughs> we got there. We got there.
2: <laughs> and then this is my favorite one. A okay. protein shake
1: oh
0: yeah. yeah i actually used to do a lot of protein shakes when i was really working. that's an out.
2: easy way yeah, to it's add easy protein. protein so my go-to protein recipe one scoop of whey protein a cup of frozen fruit i always go for frozen strawberries mm. and then a cup of ice and then you just blend it up. blend it up it, up. it sounds great it. and then if you're more of a person that needs some extra sweet in there add almond Honey. milk or honey yeah. is a good one. But if you add almond milk, it makes it creamier uh-huh. and then has that sweeter taste to it.
0: So. My wife makes those smoothies pretty commonly. I don't know what she's putting in them, to yeah, be honest. Yeah, I don't like She'd to She's probably putting put like, vodka I've in them for put, all I know.
1: <laughs>
2: <laughs> I don't like putting all the, that weird stuff in it, like spinach and stuff oh, like no. that. I don't do that. Too, I, I do don't not even like putting spinach shape. I don't even like putting peanut butter in it. But mm-hmm. peanut butter is another good thing to add to your diet. Yeah, um,
0: It's Doesn't a healthy peanut fat... Butter have, Oh, I was supposed to say it has a lot of fat, but it's healthy fat.
2: Yeah, but I mean, obviously you can't eat it in excess, but like when I was really watching what I was eating and I needed to have a certain amount of fat, I would eat a spoon, of just like a spoonful of peanut butter. Yeah. And that was was like a nice little treat after dinner or something, something (laughs) sweet to eat. Um, But then obviously your go-to high protein uh, meat. I guess you could say is beef obviously fish poultry eggs legumes and soy products if you're uh, vegan and stuff like that yeah. so an example of um, for chicken three ounces of chicken is 23 grams of protein and you nice. said that you need to eat at least 20 to 25 grams of protein at each meal right at least right on um and then for meat uh beef this is where you come in so instead of getting a t-bone steak
1: which you is, should get
0: lean steak is what you're gonna tell me <laughs> yeah Sirloin. instead
2: of yes yeah so 21 grams and t bone t-bone steak the and then sirloin <laughs> sirloin steak is 26 grams of protein but listen to this the okay. calories are extremely different i know,
0: different. I, know I know so dude i love the fattiest steak you can get i love yeah, like wagyu but it's like, i want i want my steak to be like White,
2: <laughs> yeah, it definitely tastes better. Yeah,
0: it does. It's not as good for you.
2: But yeah, there's so many other things you can. We've already talked about canned fish. Oh yeah, tuna, can, can. Um, edamame, edamame. I love edamame. So cottage good. cheese. I haven't really had cottage cheese yet, but I'm. I like yogurt.
0: I like cream cheese. Does that count? Kind
2: of... Yeah, but you can't eat that. You can literally eat cottage cheese like yogurt. Like they sell it in little cups. <laughs> my my friend Cassie loves it. And you know how much there's 23 grams of cottage cheese per cup?
0: 23 grams of protein. Yes, yes. Sir. Per cup, yes. Yeah. Yeah. Got it. Yeah. yeah.
2: Mouthful. <laughs> but yeah, those are like all the ways you can increase your protein. And it's yeah. like...
0: I, I need to do that. I don't need enough Ex- protein. I think,
2: I think the biggest thing for me is usually whenever I'm getting, like, sn- like I want a snack or something, mm-hmm. and I always want, like, a carb or something yeah. like that. It's That's where it gets difficult. I do
0: like to snack on beef jerky and nuts, too. I'll snack yeah. on – I like, you know, my favorites the the deluxe mixed nuts, but it's so expensive, but they're so good, yeah. like the cashews. Well, I can't
2: and... eat almonds.
0: Oh, you can't? You're they allergic? hurt my tummy. Oh. Yeah. Sorry.
2: But, yeah, that's I'll all that for mine. proteins. Um, all right I,
0: like it. I mean that is it is good information because you know i mean a lot of people are struggling to like think about okay what am i going to eat and so like substituting protein is only going to help you and yeah. help you with your weight because as we know like there's certain carbs for sure that add add on weight and,
2: yeah so yeah. like when you're increasing protein make sure that you're also like keeping in your cal- calorie
0: right you mean, want to stay in your like, calorie box if you today.
2: increase your protein but don't yeah manage that with your calorie then you'll you gain get in trouble yeah
0: well also too the only thing i would add is that if you're going to do anything extreme like go really heavy with protein talk to your doctor and make sure that definitely. it's okay for you yeah so but that was great sarah yeah i loved it I thank like you protein. i always love your segments it's kind of fun for me i can sit and listen to you and yeah well i mean it's in. like i've definitely
2: <laughs> noticed a difference whenever i started eating more protein especially yeah. at the gym so excellent
0: all right well i think that's all the time we have for this week but We will be back next week talking about some new topics. Please leave us a comment. Hit that like and subscribe button. It helps us so much. And we'll see you next week on Nip Talk.